Hello and welcome to Three Season a Pod from Provision Advisors, the podcast for and about the global communications environment. Three Season a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors, a look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. All right, folks, we're one week in. Uh, have we solved the nation's problems or are we doomed to repeat? Uh, gentlemen, I certainly want to get your perspective on the inauguration itself and, and uh, what have we seen, if at all, uh, in simply a short duration of time to predict uh, how the communication lanes and the trends uh, have perhaps shifted away uh, from what we long considered normal. So I definitely want to get your, uh, your views on that. Uh, folks, we continue to enjoy your feedback on the show. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time to reach out to us. Uh, look, it not only provides us with uh, some expanded views on the topics we discuss here on Three Cs, but it also helps grow the show and uh, helps us speak to a wider audience. So we just want to offer you that. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at ProV Advisors, and you can check us out on the World Wide Web, www.provisionadvisors.net. Plenty for us to get into today uh, before we get ourselves too far away from uh, the most recent past events, uh, I do want to get a quick offering from you both uh, just on what you felt about the inauguration itself uh, last Wednesday, uh, scaled down as it was. What is it that stood out for you about the day uh, in particular? And what perhaps maybe gave you either a moment of reflection uh, or perhaps even some angst as you took in the broadcast? Uh, Chris, I'll throw to you first. So big picture, um, I mean, I, I thought it was a, a, a 10 out of 10 um, as I watched uh, with my wife and um, we took in the moment. It, it was it was really nice. Um, I mean, that, you know, as a, you can see why I'm a professional communicator. I use words like nice, um, but it, it, it was emotional um, because it was such a such a stark contrast to what we have become used to the last four years in terms of it, it was a return to the traditional, uh, mm. the pageantry, um, the syntax and the speech, the words like unity and hope and um you know, having uh, the three other presidents there. Um, I mean, it, it just was a nice moment. It was a needed moment for the country, um, given the um, insurrection, given COVID, given just all of the turmoil associated with how the presidency and the White House had communicated over the last four years. I, I walked away feeling uh, very proud um, as an American. I was struck by the fact that the outgoing president was not there. Um, mm. That just was very weird to me. I don't, I don't know that I would have wanted the outgoing president there. I mean, I think it would have been probably more weird had he been there, but right. um, I did take, I did take note of that. I just thought the whole thing was, was really well done. Everything from the, you know, how they made up for the fact that they couldn't have people in attendance and the parade, the fireworks, the three presidents um, talking at Arlington. Uh, it just was a well done event. Um, sadly, we're kind of trending back towards uh, the the new traditional as the week has gone on. For now, I'm still left with a, uh, I guess, the basking in the afterglow of, of what was a uh, a truly enjoyable event and a well-communicated and well-carried-out day for America. Thank you, Chris. Um, John, re really quick, uh, just before I get to you, I want to 
go back to something Chris just said. Um, key on one word he used there. Uh, he said needed. Um, now, John, I, I know just from from me following you and, and being as close to you as I am, I know you had perhaps a different approach uh, to those events uh, last Wednesday, and I want you to specifically talk about that. But also from the standpoint uh, with, with Chris saying the word needed, uh, I'm interested in uh, sort of your elaboration on that, or your take on that uh, as you look back on the day. John? Yeah, I appreciate it. I, um, yeah, I think needed is a, uh, is an, is an incredibly appropriate word here in that a lot of us personally wanted to see some form of change take place. And we wanted to see that change or that transition of power take place gracefully and without incident. And I think a lot of us were very fearful of what we would see, particularly with what we saw on the 6th of January at our nation's capital. So a needed, graceful, well-orchestrated, well-choreographed inauguration, I believe, is exactly what a lot of people needed in terms of process in this country. What I needed personally uh, was a little bit different. And, and so I, I took Inauguration Day, something I've been looking forward to for months, um, something that I've been very wary of for weeks and decided to just kind of shut it off. And so I took my three sons up to... Uh, my alma mater at Villanova University, we walked around the school, we didn't look at our phones, we didn't watch TV. You know, I DVR'd it so I could kind of let the day sink in and I could go back and evaluate it. And and it was good for me. It was healthy uh, because I really felt like I was so immersed in it, mm -hmm. um, you know, that I, I was just fearful that it would take away from what I really wanted the day to be about. And And it was, number one, needed but it was about unity and coming together. And I felt like that was a perfect time for me to do that with my kids. Um, we talked about, as we walked around the campus, we talked about the inauguration and what that change would mean and what we had in terms of hopes going forward uh, for the country um, in the future. Uh, when I was able to get them to not look at their phones on the car ride there and back, but you know, it was obvious to me that they have seen the stress of this written on my face. And I think a lot of kids, a lot of people who are going to be possibly voting in the next presidential election really looked to their parents to see what this last administration did to them. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted it to be a day that where they just saw me as a dad and not someone who was completely immersed in this. Thank you. And, and John, just uh, one more thing, and, and we're definitely going to get to uh, that, that the parent piece of that a little later in the show, uh, flesh that out a little bit. Um, from, from, I guess, a, a, a historic standpoint, uh, and then uh, it's pushing off a little bit more about the, that, that needed, where it was needed. Did the, did the world need to see uh, that inauguration, the way it took place? I think so. I think it, it required some level of grace um, in order for us to maintain face with our international partners. You know, a lot has been made about how Justin Trudeau and uh, a couple of other leaders at one of like the G8s were making fun of Trump. And, you know, it, it just a lot of people understood that the prior president or the former president 
just was not someone to be taken seriously based on a variety of, of issues on a variety of actions. So, yeah, I think seeing something that was very well choreographed and this gets right into what we're going to talk later about, which is performances on the podium by the new administration so far, injecting process and order and calm, um, particularly amidst an environment, like Chris said, that's getting more and more partisan as, as the chance for unity or are fading into the, into the afterglow. I think that's critical. Right. Right. Uh, Chris, to, to, to you, uh, how necessary was, was the, the visual aspect of the, uh, of the inauguration, the process scaled down as it was, how much, uh, just how important do you feel that was, uh, outside of just the United States? One of the things that I track um, as a communicator is this idea of consumer or voter confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this idea that no matter no matter what the conditions say, um, people's thoughts and actions uh, immediately in the aftermath of an event, whether that's positive or negative, we see it all the time and in, in, uh, in purchasing, you know, retail sales, you see it with Wall Street. And I think you saw it um, in the immediate aftermath of the inauguration, both at home and abroad. Right. So, I mean, in the you know two hours that the inauguration took, I mean, Joe Biden didn't inoculate any more people. He didn't, uh, you know, find a, a, a cure per se to the ails for the economy or any of the other things that are going on with the country. But he just made people feel better. Right. Um, and you saw that in the Axios uh, Ipsos poll. You saw it in, in, in other polls, but uh, again, both with um, domestic and foreign audiences. So those themes that that you and John um, you know, mentioned in, in your remarks, they, they had an immediate impact. My concern as we slide back into our partisan ways and as we take up the business of impeaching a former president, right. no matter how smoothly that goes and no matter how necessary that may be from a legal or constitutional standpoint, mm -hmm. you know, I worry what that will do to that afterglow, what that will do to that voter or citizen confidence um, that has increased um, after President Biden's first couple days in office. Um, I think that's something we're going to have to watch closely as the next couple weeks go on and we get back to doing the business uh, of governing and of interacting with the rest of the world. Uh, those points are are so valid, Chris. Uh, something I, 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 I've been thinking about every day uh, as I watched those events. My, you know, my, my daughters were, were watching that event. I felt Certainly, um, pride. Uh, there was um, a happy nature uh, to witnessing, the, like just in a historic event on on its own. But we, the United States, just you know, we just inaugurated our first Madam Vice President, um, and you want to give just just cause to 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 that acknowledgement and 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 you know accept it for, for the, the, the greatness that it was. Uh, but you're right. It, it's like, okay, now, and it's just been seven days, right? We I sort of joke about it, but you, if you've been paying attention, you, you see now how in the, those seven days almost feels like seven months. Uh, 
in terms of just the, the, the back and forth and the advanced uh, rhetoric um, and, and how we pay attention to, to every single second uh, of decision-making and, and, and back and forth. And uh, the, the, there can be rancor uh, that, that goes with all of that. And then it just, it's like, oh my gosh, here comes the noise again. Uh, can we just enjoy the fact uh, that we just saw what took place? And I guess the answer is no. Let me just make one other point, um, and this is a much more tactical and I think practical point for other communicators or for leaders at a much um, lower level than the president of the United States. Sure. Um, and most people that are listening to this podcast will probably not be president of the United States, and that's okay. How impressed were you with um, Joe Biden's comfort in his own skin and his ability to allow all of these moments to go on around him. I mean, I would almost say that Joe Biden was the least significant part of the inauguration day. And that that's not meant to be pejorative or to take away from um, the things that he said and the celebration of, of his win and ascendancy to the president. But I mean, here's a guy that um, we have, a you know, the first female vice president a woman of color. You have the outstanding poet poet laureate and her dynamic um, address to the nation and the discussion of that afterwards. You have three former presidents that played a significant role in it. You have the outgoing president that still garnered a lot of attention and, um, and, and highlights. And then you have just everything that else, everything else that's going on. And here's a guy that kind of allowed all that to happen. And I think about how many arrogant, self-important people that I've worked with and for right. that would not have been able to allow those moments to occur. They would have wanted it to be about them. Um, we, you know, I steal from a former boss of mine, Bill Moran, who talks about I versus we. Yes. Um, Joe Biden definitely came off as a we guy. Um, in, in that moment. And, and I think that is a lesson for um, communicators and leaders at a lower level. Be that we person. Um, allow those things to, to happen around you. Don't make it just about yourself. If the, if the president of the United States can do it, you can do it. Right. Uh, no, you're, you're definitely right. I think that's kind of part and parcel to who he is as a, uh, as a human being. Um, and, and just sort of, you know, just an, an, an affable uh, individual um, and 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 doesn't put himself, you know, out there. Um, hey, look at me, look at me, which is, you know, yeah, look, that's a that's a welcome change uh, to perhaps what we what we've seen, uh, and and I'll take it uh, moving forward, um, gentlemen. Look, I think we're going to take a quick break uh, right here. Um, great discussion uh, on the inauguration, and we're uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to move things a little bit forward. Um, as we move through the week here. Stick with us. You're listening to Three Season a Pod. Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. We are back. Uh, gentlemen, we're beginning to see the very early stages of how this administration uh, is going to conduct its business on behalf of the American public. Uh, and I believe, or at least I hope, uh, is that we're going to witness a bit more transparency from leadership 
of course, my favorite part, and perhaps yours as well, is what we see coming from the podium, uh, just given uh, our, our history. Uh, the daily interaction between our leaders, press secretaries, spokespersons, as they interact with the media and their, uh, the American citizens by proxy. Uh, in a nutshell, my question to you both, uh, do you like what you've seen thus far, given, yes, we're only talking about seven days, uh, and I don't know, can this be fool's gold? Uh, John, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I certainly think it will play out over time. And, you know, the, the real measuring stick for this will be that first thorny issue that really pushes Jen Psaki and the rest of the communications team in the White House into a difficult position where perhaps their transparency is questioned or perhaps their truth is questioned. And it happened a lot with the Trump administration. And a lot of people, including me, would say that that was because they had a hard time embracing the truth and had a hard time embracing transparency. And that's why we address this with clients and we address this on this podcast that there really is value to that truth and transparency speak. So uh, looking at it so far, I think it's good. And I think that it's all very well nested under what President Biden did on Inauguration Day, going back to the inauguration he was very clear in laying out what he believed were the priorities going forward for his administration. And now it's the responsibility of the communications team to fall in lockstep with that and consistently and transparently and effectively communicate about those issues. And those issues included COVID, obviously, racial justice, climate change, and white supremacy. And, and Joe Biden was the first incoming president to ever address white supremacy in an inaugural address. And I think that's important. So now how do the communications arms of the Biden administration take these priorities and consistently communicate them? And how do they go out and engage the audiences who they need action from? I think they're doing a very good job so far. And at the very, very least, and I'll end with this, there is just a feeling of just calm and affability and we're in this together. And, and again, this goes right back to, this isn't rocket science. When you as a president or you as a presidential candidate before you became president, label the media fake news, it's immediately adversarial. And so the responsibility, the mantle on Jen Psaki and Joe Biden and the rest of this administration, cabinet secretaries and everyone included, is to come out of fake news and, and be real be real with the news, um, you know, in, in the delivery of information to the media and the respectful absorbing of information from the media um, and going forward. Chris, uh, we have long talked about what our hopes were for uh, this administration, our hopes for, you know, what, what the administration was going to do from a communication standpoint, how they interact with the media, how they talk to uh, the uh, the American citizenry has the pendulum. Did it go too far? We've often talked about the the, the pendulum swing. I know it's only been a week, uh, and we can only see but but so much in that given time. Have you seen a difference uh, from the podium thus far? I agree with John. I've seen a, di a difference in the early days. Now I I'm not. I was trying to think of that Denny. Denny Green quote, you, you know, like I'm not ready you to crown, them, crown, crown them. them, right? I'm not ready to crown them just yet, right? Um, but I, I like what I see so far. I mean, uh, Jen Psaki is just such a 
talented communicator. And it's hard not to be struck by her talent, her charisma, um, her, you know, walking the walk immediately. I mean, I just felt, you know, we talk about the inauguration. I mean, as the, as the comms geek that I am, I was more excited about her initial brief that night. Yes. You know, I think she briefed at 7 PM. And I mean, I was just like, man, like, it's just from a professional standpoint, I don't care. Republican, Democrat, you know, liberal, conservative, you know, whatever. I mean, shit, even the, um, even the proud boys had to be envious of her ability (laughs) to communicate. Right. Uh, and her command of the podium that takes me to, um, our, our other favorite communicator in DC, uh, John Kirby and, um, John, uh, you know, started his job. We talked a little bit about Admiral Kirby last week and Mm -hmm. some of the things that he needed to do. And he's immediately, um, has been walking the walk. And, and I mean, as you would expect the, they, the Pentagon has demurred to the White House to allow them to set the tone and to, you know, sort of reset the rules of engagement, if you will. But um, Kirby is quoted in a few of the morning newsletters today, Wednesday, um, where he uh, talks about, you know, kind of his approach and the larger administrate uh, the administration approach. And in response to a question from Brian Bender about how do you improve the relationship with um, with media, right. uh, Kirby says, it, it's really important that we get back to some basic blocking and tackling skills when it comes to media relations at the Pentagon. This is one of the most important relationships in the information environment between the military and the media. And I believe that it is a relationship that needs to be improved. My intention is to work very hard at that through rekindling the relationships that I have with the press that covers this building and building new ones with the fresh faces in the press corps. And I think that right there is um, really captures what will be the determination of success. Is Jen Psaki, is John Kirby, um, are the um, the other cabinet um, secretaries, because it starts with the leader, but mm-hmm. um, as well as the communication officials, are they able to reestablish, reforge, and grow relationships with media to normalize the conversation between our government the media, and ultimately the American people. If they're able to do that, then we're in a good spot. Um, At the end of the day, the Biden administration needs to execute. They need to carry out their agenda um, or all the communication in the world won't matter. But a huge part of being able to carry out that agenda is effective communication and effective media relations. And I like what I see so far. I want to take what you both just said and and allow that to serve as a segue into a, a, a different area of this conversation. And that is the the prevalence of digital media, um, digital media and or social media uh, consumption and, and the, the deliverance of news um, and, and as we as we deal with that today. And John, you mentioned uh, earlier about the vision of uh, how your kids were, were were seeing you interact, uh, just I guess your daily consumption of news uh, over over the past several years. Um, you know, Chris, and, and you talking about just that what what is going to be this new 
not a new way, but just, a, I guess, a, a different way of expecting our leadership and our spokespersons to communicate with, with the public. And so I asked this because I can't believe, I, you know, the SecDef is using Twitter now and I'm paying attention to it. Uh, and I just don't remember ever doing that in that form before. And I'm wondering if there is a tipping point uh, to that, because as, as and again, I, I, I know I'm, I'm getting long winded here, but as as fathers, as parents, I know we look at our kids a lot and we sort of gauge what we do, how we communicate and juxtapose that with uh, our children and how they're operating on these same platforms and mediums. Um, can it be too much? Can it get to a point where it's oversaturated? There seems to be too many rules or you have to walk this tight line and then you move that American citizenry away from it. Do we risk that problem? Uh, Chris, what, do, if, you, if you get what I mean here, can there be too much um, of this thing? I, I think there can be. I mean, I think there is real fatigue um, with social media, with you know larger digital media. I mean, I, I, I think it grates on people, um, not just in their own personal actions, but in the conversation about digital media and and how it, you know, the speed and the immediacy of uh, the that medium, you know, what what it does to those people consuming and using it. I mean, down to the casual user, um, all the way up to people that that use it as a a platform for their business or their organization. Um, I, I think they feel that fatigue. I think that we have to ask ourselves. I mean, and again, I mean, whether you are my thirteen-year-old daughter or you're, you know, Donald Trump, I, I I think there are three important questions that go along with the use of really any media, but especially digital media, given the speed and reach you know, what is my goal? Why, why am I doing this? Um, right. What is the purpose of the platform that I'm, I'm about to use and who cares? Right. I, I would encourage everybody, you know, right before you, you hit tweet or you hit post or you hit, you know, whatever the right verb is for the action. What are you after? Why are you using this platform and who cares? And if you can't answer those three questions, put your phone down. It's not going to go well. Well, I, I I just think that it's it's natural for it to eventually right size, right? I mean, we we live in a in a world or or at least an existence that if you look back on history, it's largely cyclic. Um, and so, yeah, I I believe that people eventually will find themselves in a social media fatigue to the point that they try to find other means of doing it. The question is, can you exist that way? And and I'm I'm gonna I'm huge on parenting on this podcast today. So I apologize and and I thank you That's for great. for for letting me freestyle in this in this way. But I'm I'm the guy who has tried several times, particularly with my kids, to enact digital vacations, you know, uh, or or phone cleanses where I ask them to you know, go two to three days without their phones. And, you know, it's hard because people in this generation, you know, up to the age of probably 22, probably don't remember a life without access to technology and without access to information. Whereas we in our mid to late 40s do remember those times. We remember 
the phone with like the little curly Q cord, you know, the thing that Leslie Jones is making fun of in the YouTube videos. You know, we, we remember those days where we didn't have social media and we, you know, just didn't have any of these entanglements. Um, so it's tougher for them to have these, these cell phone cleanses or these digital vacations. It's easier for us, but then I find myself reminded every day that I need the weather.com app because I want to know if it's going to rain today or, you know, is it going to be cold while we're golfing or any number of first world problems. So I think it has to be looked at. I'm someone who left Facebook a very long time ago because I didn't like it. I've tried to be off of social media, but because of the jobs that we do, we just can't. So, you know, I, I think leaders from the Biden administration and beyond are going to have to really watch how people are are dealing with social media, the prevalence of social media, the feeling that it's too intrusive in their lives. Or, you know, is there a new platform out there that finds a sweet spot to deliver that information? Either way, you have to be in the arena and people who aren't in the arena are going to be behind. Great point. Um, Hey, Bash, I know you you want to... I know you want to wrap this up. No, go ahead. I, I um, yeah, I mean, I just, I struggle with, uh, I struggle with the idea that you can cleanse or take a vacation or, um, and, and I'm not, this is not a critique on John's parenting, um, because he has to do what, what is any parent has to do what's best for them. I, I mean, in terms of this, like it, it, it is here. Right. And so I, I understand how people would, you know, yell and scream at the Washington Post every morning when that's how they got their news. And I understand right. why people would yell and scream at CNN or Fox when that was how they got the news. I, I just think that, like, as organizations, if you want to fix that, if you want to avoid your consumers or your audiences having to take a cleanse or having to put their phone away because they've become so exhausted or that's how they have to deal with it then you have to communicate responsibly on both sides of this, both a transmitter and both a receiver responsibility that goes along with the consumption of information. And I don't think you can solely deal with it on, on either end. Yes, you can isolate yourself from it, but I mean, the, that doesn't obfuscate the responsibility of those people communicating from what they're doing to the two way back and forth. So, I mean, I, I, you know, we could go on forever and ever, but I mean, th- this is just a problem that eventually leaders have to own uh, if, if we want to make an impact. Exactly. And and I completely, completely agree with that. And and I think a lot of things, you know, in order to add sort of an epilogue to the Trump administration here from a communications perspective, as the Trump administration ends, you have this trend of labeling the news the fake news you have this trend of twitter being this all vitriolic platform because of you know the 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 things that donald trump and his and his followers would put on there you have this feeling that social media is too invasive by a lot of audiences out there and then you have the pandemic driving people out of offices and out of communal uh, areas and into their homes and probably more dependent on social media. And so how do leaders now deal with these new normals? It's like the 18 millionth time I've used that term on this podcast. 
but how how do they deal with these new normals and lead effectively knowing yes that are the days of going into an office possibly permanently gone yes is your dependence on social media probably going to be more important in the future possibly are you really sick of social media based on the last four years also possibly so as you're running through a calculus as a leader and a communicator you have to consider all that you both i mean we're, we're we, we could move uh into into a much longer discussion about this especially when you talk about the the responsibility uh, towards the communication. Um, I'll drop this little nugget and we can pick this up uh, in, in, another, in another episode. But when we talk about the, uh, you know, the, the parenting piece of it, I had my 13-year-old say to me that they stopped using uh, many of their digital media platforms because they didn't want to get in trouble when it came time to go to college. Now, Again, I know it's dropping a bomb and then walking away, but that speaks to, again, this level of responsibility in our communications and whether that goes from, you know, the business to the consumer or that consumer going back to the organization. Um, and that my, my daughter was, was focused on that, that that's something that made her say, hey, hold on a second as we talk about cancel culture, as we talk about uh, responsibility uh, from the podium or wherever it is that you're, you're, you're speaking from, it's having an effect on, on our children. Uh, it's, it's, it's having an effect on us and, and our children are watching us. But uh, yeah, I just, um, it is something that I, I, I tend to keep um, a weather eye on. Uh, as you saw people move away. And again, I'll go back to that word you use, Chris, needed. I don't know how many people share that sentiment. That concerns me. Um, because the yes, I do feel it was needed. And I feel like it was needed on a large scale. And I worry about the people who were like, you know what, I didn't care for that, or I didn't need it. And when they walk away from from communication platforms that are used by news media, because they're disheartened by by what they see. Again, sorry for throwing a bomb in there uh, and then walking away. Uh, I feel like, you know, look, it, it's something that we could talk about at length. Uh, stay with us, folks. Uh, we'll be right back with On the Horizon. You're listening to Three Season a Pod. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. We're back, folks, and it is time to look out on the horizon. John, what's on your mind for the week ahead? Well, for the week ahead, I'm watching the news that just came out, which is for the first time since 1960, the membership of the National Baseball Hall of Fame will remain frozen meaning that no player on the Hall's 2021 Baseball Writers Association of America ballot reached the 75% threshold needed for enshrinement in Cooperstown. Now, why do I bring that up? Um, well, I, I think a lot of it has to deal with things that we're also seeing in the national conversation and why we need to be mindful of this as communicators and why baseball needs to be mindful of this trend 
uh, in their communications and that a lot of people throw around the term cancel culture now. Um, I, I cannot turn on or get on Twitter without Matt Gates coming out and saying that there's a cancel culture going on in and around the impeachment, cancel culture going around in and around vilifying former members of the Trump administration. Well, this is exactly what baseball is doing. Uh, this is their communication or the baseball writers communication to players from the steroid era that there is a cancel culture and that there are repercussions for what you do and what you say. And so the players like Kurt Schilling um, or Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds or Mark McGuire or any of the other ones who were who were caught up in the in the steroid era of baseball need to be very mindful of what's going on right now in the post-Trump administration time. And that is that there are repercussions if you lie. There are repercussions if you cheat. There are repercussions on larger levels. Now, I'm not painting with a broad brush anyone in the Trump administration. I'm just saying that baseball is currently exacting the cancel culture that a lot of people think is so terribly wrong in and around the Trump administration events after they have left office. Well, you know, that's that's kind of what they reserve is their right. Now, what baseball has the obligation to do is really watch this. And how are they going to communicate the eventual forgiveness, right? Like, what, how do they do this? You know, America will even eventually forgive Lance Armstrong, maybe down the road. You know, that's what Americans do. Um, you know, that's what this culture does, is that we eventually forgive and forget and drive on. It's just taking baseball a little bit longer to do. So um, I, I'm interested in how baseball will communicate that for the value of the game going forward. And when that first confirmed steroid user gets into the Hall of Fame, how will they then handle the issue of opening the floodgates to people who, quote unquote, cheated like Pete Rose? Um, so I'm going to watch that very closely, particularly through the lens of the fact that so many people are, are, are just really hamstrung and upset about this seeming cancel culture um, uh, viewpoint of Trump administration officials. So as a communicator, I'm really going to be watching that. Um, it's a very delicate issue and I think something that we should keep our eye on. Thanks, John. Uh, Chris, over to you. Hey, before I do what I'm looking for, I, I did want to just mention, um, I wanted to comment on what, on what John said because I, I thought he brought up a good point. And sure. whether you call it cancel culture or you call it accountability, um, I think Newton's third law of physics applies in communication as well, right? So Newton says for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And I think you see that in communication. Um, and so while the baseball writers today um, have the ability to either exercise cancel culture or accountability, again, depending on how you want to characterize it, be careful that you don't make yourself irrelevant. And what I mean by that is, is that, um, too often, whether it's baseball writers or whether it's uh, members of political parties or whether it's you, you know whomever, consumers of information, there is silence in the moment, and then there is this desire to kind of cast judgment after the fact. I, I think when you do that, you run the risk of um, of becoming irrelevant, either from a communication standpoint, from a moral standpoint, um, or in the case of the Hall of Fame. I mean. I'm not sure that that the average fan wants baseball writers to hold these people accountable when they didn't hold them accountable when they were playing. 
Um, and I think as communicators and as leaders, you, you need to consider that. I mean, you know, Matt Gates coming forward, and I know I'm all over here, but I think John John laid out a lot of important points. Looking back is great, and judging people, um, you know, five years after the fact, ten years after the fact is great. But if you're absent in the moment, um, I, I think it has an impact on the audience that you're that you're trying to communicate to. So my, my two cents on, on that. I, I thought it was disappointing that they didn't. Um, that they didn't elect um, folks to the Hall of Fame this year. I, I think that as a fan, you, you you look forward to that, and you, you know, great that they uh, they made a stand for You're me. Here to looking, all that, gentlemen, uh, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Can I just ask you two a, a quick question? Uh, uh, hey, John, who's your home run king? He just died. His name's Hank Aaron. Chris Barry Bonds. Just wanted to ask, Chris, over to you. What's on your horizon? Uh, so on my horizon, it's um, the coronavirus writ, writ large and what, what will happen um, on the front page of a lot of newspapers today and in the online newsletters. There, It was reported that for the first time, I think in six weeks, the trend of deaths and the trend of um, you know, the negative trends are starting to turn a, a bit. And so going back to what we talked about, whether it's consumer confidence or voter confidence or what, um, you know, I'm hopeful that those trends continue and that collectively as a country, we continue to communicate in the right way to help those trends of further decline and begin to move towards normalcy. And so whether that's wearing masks, whether that's getting your vaccine, whether that's washing your hands, you, you name it. Um, I hope that this will, folks won't just simply breathe a sigh of relief and uh, go back to the way things were. I hope we'll continue to uh, keep that pressure on so that we can drive these numbers even lower. Chris, to that point, I'm very concerned about these Super Bowl numbers. Uh, the fact that 22,000 people, the NFL is going to approve 22,000 people uh, to be in that stadium. I just, uh, it, it's something that gives me pause. And I just hope the NFL has the uh, methodology in place uh, to ensure uh, those folks are safe. Yeah. Um, I, I will tell you on a more local level, uh, I feel that way when I go to my kids' uh, flag football games. <laughs> so right. um, as one of the few people that wore a mask, uh, in Flagler County this past weekend. Uh, boy, I, I, I hope that people finally get the message. <laughs> right. Uh, it's God's country down there. So, well, I, I'll, I'll Next jump thing, in I, here. They're, they're going to need God. <laughs> I know exactly. Um, I, I'll jump in here too with, you know, with one final thing and someone who literally just flew on an airplane where every single seat was full, um, and wearing masks in airports, although mandated by signage, was not necessarily adhered to, you know, that, uh, again, a great communications challenge awaits, uh, not just communicating the efficacy of vaccines, particularly amid a culture where a lot of people don't like vaccines, but communicating this return to normalcy that Chris talks about. You know, I'm, I'm in a school district in Anne Arundel County where Governor Hogan is now communicating very openly and very effectively, in my opinion, about this movement back to putting kids in classrooms, which brings an incredible amount of angst, not only to teachers, but to parents and to the community at large. Now, a lot of us want this return to normalcy so bad, you know, particularly parents who are just sick of seeing their kids all day. But, you know, how do you communicate it? How do you communicate a return to normalcy when it's been long enough now 
that people are starting to not really remember what normal looked like. So hopefully it gets back here soon. Good stuff, gentlemen. Thank Go ahead, Chris. No, sorry. We're, we're dragging this out. It's funny. You mentioned return to normalcy. I remain, my kids do go to school every day, John, and I romantically, um, longed for the days of them going back to school until I remember what getting them ready in the morning is like. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, I mean, there are challenges on either side and, and, and to that point, Bashan, when you talk about the Super Bowl and 22,000 people going, I think it is a function of risk and it is a function of priority. Um, and whether it's about communication or whether it's about leadership, like where do you want to take that risk? I'd much rather take the risk of putting kids back in school and helping to get them to normal sooner than take the risk of putting 22,000 people in potentially a super spreader event at the Super Bowl for an event that's on TV. You know, so I, I, I think it's about priorities uh, and, and, you know, the communication effort is going to be central to making sure as a country we identify and carry out the correct priorities. Your uh, your discussion, uh, the discussion we had long ago on the uh, the sliding scale of acceptable risk. I bring that up at least once a week uh, with people I come across. It's it's quite something. Um, folks, I'm going to close out my on the horizon uh, on a bit of a, a personal note. Um, next week, uh, we will be into February. Uh, February uh, is uh, is known, long known uh, as Black History Month. Uh, you know, jokes aside on it being the shortest month and all that aside, um, communicators and uh, individuals, business owners and such, are you're going to see people uh, acknowledge Black History Month uh, here coming up this week and throughout the month, uh, recognizing notable African-Americans uh, and accomplishments in U.S. history. Uh, uh, and I encourage that. I encourage you uh, to sit with people in the room, listen to what they have to say. We've said on this show here, uh, Chris mentioned intrusive listening. I think this is a time when intrusive listening can can serve you quite well uh, in the recognition uh, of Black History Month. Um, but like I said, I, I, I wanted to give this a little bit more of a personal note. Um, tomorrow, Dwayne Mann of Wappinger Falls, New York, will defend his dissertation uh, at Northwestern University. And uh, I'm proud of the little guy. Um, he put in a lot of work. Uh, it, it took him a while, uh, but it's something that he's long held as a dream. Uh, and he's going to be the first uh, PhD holder in the family. So uh, I'm proud of you. And that's a little bit of Black history, uh, a bit of American history uh, from our family to yours. So Dwayne Mann, we salute you here uh, at Provision Advisors. And that's my on the horizon. Uh, so, gentlemen, I, I, I thank you for allowing me that. Uh, folks, that's our show for today. We, uh, we always appreciate you joining us for this conversation. Uh, today, I really enjoyed. Um, if you're looking for more information as your business or organization navigates the communication environment, please feel free to reach out to us at provisionadvisors.net. Uh, you can also sign up online to receive our weekly update delivered straight to your inbox every Sunday morning. Uh, in the meantime, folks, be safe and wear a mask. Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.